welcome to the New Mexico News Podcast, headlines and stories from the land of enchantment. Brought to you by KRQE. Here's Chris McKee and Gabrielle Burkhart. Summer break, as we know it, has come to a close, and for a lot of families, that means back to your normal school work routine. But this year comes with some sweeping changes for families, including different school start times and bell schedules, free school meals for New Mexico students, and an extended school calendar year. But before we get into the details of these changes, Chris, I wanted to ask you, what's been your summer highlight? I went on a Disney cruise and it was very good. Uh, Yeah, but Disney knows how to... uh, they know how to cruise? run a boat, if you will. So they know how to cruise. It was it was interesting. I'd never been on one before. Never been on a cruise before. And with the whole family, there was I think fifteen of us. So wow, it was big and it was a lot of fun. And uh, yeah, really enjoyable. Get to go see parts of the world you've never seen before, and also makes you realize just man, what a uh, what a world we live in. Not only seeing places, but the fact that something like that even exists is beyond me. So anyway. Yourself. Never been on a Disney cruise myself, but I saw your pictures. It looked just fantastic. It was fun. Yeah, a good summer to travel, get out there, especially if you can escape the heat this summer. One highlight for us was getting to take our daughter camping, tent camping for the oh, first time in Hemez. Cool. And that was a lot of fun. She really liked it. Yeah. Nice and cool up did in you the make mountains. S'mores? We did. Yeah, good. of course. S'mores are of us. <laughs> Good summer times. As you mentioned, though, this school year does come with changes in the routines for a lot of New Mexico families. It's in part due to the changes in the law for the minimum amount of instructional hours now required for New Mexico students and feedback from school leaders. Joining us on the podcast to break down some of the key changes this school year is Albuquerque Public School Superintendent Scott Elder. Superintendent Elder, thanks a lot for being here. Well, thank you for having me. Always good to do these sort of things. It's fun. Yeah. And you got a lot of things happening, I feel like, this year. Just to set the stage, though, we want to talk about just how big APS is. It is the largest of New Mexico's 89 school districts, serving about a fourth of the state's public school students in 143 different schools that are scattered across 1,200 miles. It's a lot of people, a lot of places to be, a lot of staff, family, students as well who are probably feeling the impacts here of these new changes to the APS schedule. And so first high level question for you, what is the biggest change to this school year that's different from last year from your perspective? Mm, That's a tough one because there's some significant ones. I think the one that most families are, are feeling is the calendar reform. So as we know, the state legislature had asked for more days to be added and we did add days to our calendar. Along with that, we decided that it was time to make a schedule change as far as when different levels of school started. And so one of the big pushes has been to move high school to at least 830, if not later. And we were able to do that this year. So high schools now are beginning at 840. Middle schools are beginning at 915. And the elementaries are on two tiers at 730 and 8. So that's probably the one families are feeling the most. And it's pretty significant. I, I, I don't deny that. There's some other things we've done, though, that have some pretty deep meaning, too. I, but I think as if you're asking the community that the calendar reform is probably the one they're going to note immediately. 
I know you've gotten a lot of feedback and have addressed this issue with families that have maybe brought this up or even complained to you about, you know, you mentioned the new bell schedules and calendar year. What is your message, though, for families who are struggling with adjusting to the new schedule, you know, juggling work, aftercare, and just a whole new schedule in general? Well, to that end, we've really worked hard with our community partners to provide services before and after school. I know for the middle schools, there was a concern about what would they do with them in the morning after they went to work. So we had a partnership with the Boys and Girls Club of Central New Mexico and the YMCA and Big Brothers, Big Sisters and JAG. They all came forward as a, a, a partnership and said they thought they could provide that before and after care. So now we have care before schools in, in 23 of our 27 middle schools and the other four middle schools said they were going to handle it themselves. So we are structuring as well as we can to meet the needs of the community. One of the things people probably need to understand is we're not funded for before or after school care. We're only funded for the hours that were supposed to be open. So we are dependent on community groups stepping up and taking opportunities where they rise. And in this case, we saw that it happened. Uh, we're doing the same at the, many of our elementary schools already have after school care. We've got a lot of regional partners that, that are providing that after school care and, and they'll just continue that. They'll just have to start it a little earlier. Do you feel like it's enough right now what you're seeing? This is obviously a first time it's all coming together, but do you feel like you've stood up enough resources to meet the demand that you guys will be seeing here? I think we've stood up every resource we can get. Um, we haven't turned anybody away. Uh, we haven't said, you know, you can't, <laughs> we won't take your help. No, again, we are dependent on the community stepping up and providing those partnerships you know, and some of them, it's it's an act of, of service and they, they they step up. We've got church groups that provide services. We've got a lot of provi- uh, daycare providers, but some people, it's their business and it's an opportunity for them to to extend their business into the schools and, and provide services there. So we provide space. We help with the, the feeding if there's a, a, a necessity to feed kids after school. We provide a lot of, of resource, but again, we can't do the actual providing of the service because we're not funded that way. Yeah. Now, part of the reasoning for what you mentioned earlier, right, the change in high school start times now at 840, if I recall correctly, part of the reasoning giving that later start time is, is, as I understand, an emphasis from the American Academy of Pediatrics. They are recommending that middle and high schools start no earlier than 830 a.m. to allow for adolescents to get more sleep. I certainly knew that growing up Um, and because of new staggered start times with bus schedules and staff. We also know that a lot of elementary kids now are starting much earlier at 730. So wanted to ask if you feel confident that maybe after going through this new bell schedule change over this next year, do you feel confident that it will have a positive impact on students and their well-being for that idea of a well-rested school day? I do. Um, and again, I think we have to do it and I can't just do it one time. We have to do it for a couple of years to see how it goes. One thing is families will adjust. Um, we had to adjust to lots of changes during the pandemic and somehow we did it. And uh, this is just another adjustment. I will tell you that there's a lot of districts around the country. They're doing exactly the same thing and those families are figuring it out. And I'm 100 percent confident our families will as well. I think for the high school students, uh, especially in the middle school students, this later start time is really going to help. There's just a lot of scientific research that teenagers' circadian rhythm 
is set differently than young children and adults. They have a hard time falling asleep at night. They're, they're just prone to be awake and they like to sleep in a little bit. This time really changes things for them. And I was a high school principal for a long time. And I just remember, you know, the walk of the zombies across the parking lot right before first period and into first period. And first period was tough. It was just hard to get them to wake up and be engaged. And if they had a hardcore, you know, heavy math class first period, it was tough on those kids. And of course, a lot of our kids are engaged in what we call zero hour, which is the hour before school. So they were starting at 630 in the morning you know, band practices and just a lot of football and a lot of things were going then. So they'll make the adjustment now, they get a little bit more rest in the morning, which it fits their body. And here's to me is the, this just blows me away. Last year, California passed a law saying that high schools couldn't start before 8.30. So did Florida. Now that's two pretty divergent political thoughts, at least. And they're both coming to the same conclusion that kids in those older levels need to start later. And I think it's a there's just a lot of research that shows it's a good idea. I don't think it's going to solve all the problems. I don't think it's going to be the silver bullet and, and everything's going to get better. But I think it solves problems. And I think it's something that's been needed for a long time. Albuquerque has been talking about this since at least 2011. I mean, I think you guys did stories on it in 2011. Maybe not you too, but right, right. people did. And uh, it, this, it was just time to, to make the move. Yeah. On the flip side of this, because, you know, maybe I'm, I'm a biased party because I'm a parent of an elementary kid. So, you know, our daughter will be going to school earlier, 730 and getting out at 230, which is difficult, you know, for the, the working families who don't get out of work at 2 p.m. to pick up their kid. And so that's a significant time in aftercare for the littles. And maybe those elementary kids who, you know, some would argue also need more sleep and Maybe they'll be exhausted by the end of their day after a full day of school and aftercare. You know, what do you say to those elementary kids? Was it just, you know, the juggling the bus schedules that, you know, couldn't also start them later as well? Yeah, unfortunately. So I would love to start everybody at the same time and end everybody at the same time. That would be ideal. But we would need a lot more buses and a lot more drivers. So the reality is, is, we have a fleet of about 500 buses that we are barely staffing. And on top of that, we have a lot of special needs busing that pulls drivers away from a lot of the general that it is incredibly complex. We're moving about 42,000 kids a day, both back and forth. And because of the number of buses and drivers, we have to run three tiers. So the elementary students were moved earlier one, because bedtime's a little bit easier to control on an elementary student. I know it's tough. I know it's not a perfect ideal, but but it's there. Two, about anywhere between a third to maybe just a little under half of our elementaries were already on a 7.30 start time prior to this year. So it's, it's a, it is some elementaries that got moved back. And, and I am sorry for that, I, like I said. And we're going to continue to work on that. Just because it's where it is right now doesn't mean it has to be that way forever but it's where we are right now. And I can't, I can't make more drivers appear and I can't make more buses appear. Um, we are very hopeful that, you know, we'll get enough drivers that we can start adding more routes. And I think that's probably where we'd start looking is can we you know move those elementary start times to eight at least instead of seven 30, but that's going to, that's, it's <laughs> a lot of drivers. Yeah. Switching gears a little bit, the free lunch program, Chris and I have actually talked about this at length. We have a whole 
podcast episode dedicated to the free lunch program, which was part of Senate Bill 4, if you're not familiar. Lawmakers and the governor signed off on it this year. It requires all public schools to provide healthy breakfasts and lunches to students for free, regardless of their family's income. So this was a big deal, you know, for New Mexico. But for APS, logistically, is this a challenging thing to implement at all the schools and make sure that every kid does have a free meal if they need one? Well, it's a lot of kids to feed. And sure, of course, there's a a difficulty there, but we're already feeding I think we're doing 32,000 lunches and over 40,000, excuse me, 30,000 breakfasts and 40,000 lunches. So we're going to have to gear up some. Not everybody's going to take advantage of it. A lot of families don't don't need it or don't want it. But those kids who do, it's going to it's a great boon for kids. And honestly, there's always been a little stigma about, you know, going and getting a free breakfast. And now now that's gone. You know, anybody can go have a free breakfast. You know, and along the way, you're talking about the elementary and the 730 start time. One of the things we're doing is breakfast after the bell. So, you know, you don't have to get there early to get your breakfast. You don't have to get there even earlier if you're hungry. You can get there right up to the beginning of the day, get your breakfast, go to class, eat in class. So I just think kids that are fed learn better. Yeah, it's tough, but we have a central kitchen. And I, I refer you back to the pandemic when we just went ahead and Basically, what happened was the federal government said, feed kids. And we took off the uh, requirement that you had, you didn't even have to be an APS student. You just had to be a kid. You know, we were feeding over 50,000 kids a day. And that was at a time when we couldn't touch each other or, you know, have any sort of contact. You want to talk about complex. That was tough. But my food services people are pretty smart. They worked through it and they've got this figured out, too. We're going to be all right. Is there anything people should know about signing up for free meals? Because I I do understand that one of these things is that the federal government still provides reimbursement for families that meet the uh, free or reduced program, right? So you need people to sign up in a sense to get the federal funds to help pay for some of those meals, ideally. So is there something people should know about signing up? Are you still really making a push towards that? So it's part of the registration process and it's really just, it's done online. You go onto APS.edu if you're registering your kid and it's just part of it. The difference now is I, I'm not hundred percent sure what they're doing with, uh, you know, financial verification um, because the States made it, they'll reimburse what, what we're missing. So the reason we need people to fill that out is Title I services, which are intervention services for kids, a lot of time are funded off our free reduced lunch population. So theoretically, that's everybody now, but that's not the real number. So we really need to, we will still be chasing down, you know, which of our students would qualify under the federal government regulation, but then you've got the state government saying everybody gets it. So it's 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 two systems in play here and they're, you know, Getting the reimbursement from the feds is important, but it's also important for us so that we can provide those Title I services like our McKinney-Vento, which is our homeless services, are funded out of that. So our children who are homeless, which is anywhere from 3500 to 5000 a year, we do a lot for them. And those funds come because we can verify uh, the Title I status. I wanted to also ask you about the school calendar. Um, it is also different this year, along with right the bell schedule changes. So what are the changes to the school calendar, right? It's starting a little bit earlier. There's just more classroom days happening. Also, the just the length of time that kids are in school this year. How does it differ compared to last year? 
couple significant changes. One, we're starting about a week earlier. Um, we're starting this, uh, see, on August 3rd. And we'll run, again, past Memorial Day in the in the spring. So it goes a little bit longer. The difference is that some of the breaks are longer. And again, there's some research that shows that that extended break allows our teachers and our students to sort of reset. And by reducing the summer time that they're gone, you reduce the amount of learning loss that occurs. And then throughout the year, by these slightly extended holidays, you reduce the amount of burnout, you reduce the amount of just tension in the classroom and kids perform better academically. So there's a, there's a lot to it. You know, the, the, the school calendar was built when in the 1900s around the farming schedule. And I think you're seeing a, a pretty significant change in American education across the country to reconfigure that schedule because we're just not as agrarian as we used to be. So, you know, I, I think you'll see more and more calendar reform. This, obviously, the state legislature and the governor are very interested in it. We're interested in it. It's just a matter of what can we do that we, we also take a lot of community input. And, and so the parents' opinions do matter. And we did, because there was some talk about, well, let's just not make the days longer. Let's just add more days. Well, the community was very clear that they didn't want to. And honestly, the last two and a half, three weeks, I would have hated to be in school. It's just too hot. So I am concerned about temperatures, you know, because there's a lot of change there. But, but that's probably the biggest change. I think for the elementary kids, it's also a longer day. Uh, they used to have about a six-hour day. Now they're going for seven, and that was mandated by the change of the required hours from the, the state legislature. So that's the law. We had to add, oh, I think like two hundred and fifty hours. So it was, it's quite a bit of time that we had to find. Yeah. Well, Scott Elder, I know you have a busy day and we are about to uh, approach the first day of the school year as of this recording. When this publishes, we'll be in week one technically. But is there any other major concerns that you have going into this upcoming school year? Is it staffing? Whether, you know, now that you've heard from the community at large, I'm sure there will be other things that pop up. But is there any other concerns or messages that you would like to share? Well, I mean, I'm a worrier, so I don't sleep much anymore. Uh, the last three and a half years have been a sort of a long, restless night. So I can tell you lots of things I'm worried about. <laughs> but, you know, you know, obviously we worry a lot about school safety. And I'm just going to encourage the community to remember that see something, say something, talk to your kids about that, because the kids usually know what's going on on campus and do a, a great job of of helping us. Um, we're doing everything we can to harden the schools, to make them hard to get into. And if something is happening, easy to get out of. And uh, we, you know, we're training the kids differently on how to respond to situations. And we'll keep doing that. I want people to know we we really want the community to work with us and work with their children on, on keeping everybody safe. You know, it bothers me that we, we had to have Benny's law, but um, we have it and I hope people follow it. These kids should not be able to get access to weapons as easily as they seem to. That's always a concern and it. And that's a community problem. And that's a family issue. Uh, we're certainly going to have a strong message in the schools. Don't bring them, you know, don't bring them. Don't, don't use them because the consequences are really, really severe now. And, you know, that's probably the things that worry me the most. I can worry about a lot of other things. We could be here for an hour if I did that. I will tell you this, one of the things I really hope parents really work with their kids on, enjoy themselves, enjoy school, try to find the joy in, in the school day. You know, this is my last year and I've been thinking about it's a little bittersweet 
and thinking about the first day and I'll be out in the on the campuses and seeing the kids coming back. And I really enjoy listening to the kids at school because they laugh, they, they get excited. And there's just a lot of, of joy in, in what goes on in being around young people. And I just wouldn't, everybody gets so tense and worried and nervous these days. Remember that schools are safe places with a lot of people who really care about children and who really want them to have a great experience. Let them, let them have a great experience and let's have a great year. You mentioned this is your last year. Um, you've announced your impending retirement here. What is next for you? Oh gosh, that's a loaded question. <laughs> um, initially, I, I, I'm just going to try to sleep again. That's sort of been my pat response, but it's true. I'm looking forward to being able to get through a night. I, I have some thoughts. I've had a couple local people talk to me about some opportunities, maybe. And I, on the national level, there's you know maybe some consulting, maybe some work. I've had a very interesting career. Yeah, I will always be the pandemic superintendent. I don't know if it's a label I love, but it's. It's what I got and it's what we did. And um, we had the cyber attack. We've had lots of things that happened under my watch that make me interesting to people. And and I, I do try to be a good conversationalist, if you will. So um, we'll see. I, I don't know, but it's, I, I don't think I'll be doing direct work with the public schools, but who knows? I, I always enjoyed working with young people. So maybe maybe I'll be back in some some form or the other. Well, thank you. We we appreciate you taking the time to speak to us. I always felt like you've been a very approachable superintendent to talk about all the challenges you've faced over um, the time you've had here. So we appreciate you, your, your candid nature, and uh, thanks for taking time to talk to us here today. Yeah. Thank you, Scott Elder. Thank you. It was nice to meet both of you. talked about some of the major changes that come along with this upcoming school year, but we also wanted to get some local perspective from a parent who is very dialed in. Yeah, this parent also happens to be a school bus driver for an Albuquerque charter school, and she also has experience as a bus driver who used to contract for APS, that is Albuquerque Public Schools. Julie Sprunk has three children, right? Yes. Okay, so thanks for joining us. Sure, thank you for having me. First, just tell us how old are your kids and what grade are they going into? Okay, I have a 27-year-old. Obviously, she's far graduated. I just had my middle son graduate this past year in May, and I currently have an 11-year-old who is in fifth grade, and he attends a charter school. Okay, and you're from Albuquerque, born and raised, right? Yes. Mm -hmm. Okay, so went through the public school system. Yeah. How long have you driven a school bus and what prompted you to take on that role? I have been driving for seven years. At the time, I was a stay-at-home mom and I wanted to do something that, you know, I could still kind of be that role, but have an income to support my Amazon habit. <laughs> it sounds like you wanted to be a role model in some sense of what a nice bus driver could be. Yeah. I think you're the first person these kids see in the morning. I mean, if you're not going to say good morning and they're just going to school intimidated or if they're being, you know, harassed at school or on the bus, they can at least tell you, hey, miss, can I talk to you after whatever? You're the first point of contact. And that's very important. One of the reasons I understand for the staggered start times for elementary and middle schoolers is that 
the district is looking to have enough school bus drivers to get everyone to school on time. So I wanted to ask, what are some of the challenges you see for school bus drivers, both staffing and otherwise? I imagine it's a lot of kids. Yeah. What are some of the challenges? Well, our capacity is 72 kids in one bus. That's maximum capacity. When I was driving for an APS school, there were times I had to make two trips. Go take one load, go back to the school, grab another load. So that right there already tells you that they're short-staffed. Across the board, you know, uh, charter schools, APS schools, it's short-staffed across the board. So that makes, that pushes you back. They really do just need more people to drive. But I mean, in all honesty, if I were a single parent, I couldn't do it off the, the, the wages. My husband is the breadwinner and I kind of just do it for extra, like I said, but I couldn't do it off of the wages that they provide. And how many hours are you working when you're driving a school bus? If you're starting your pre-trip in the morning, you get to your yard, you do your pre-trip, which takes, you know, 15, 20 minutes, you fill up. So you're looking at maybe 30 minutes before your first stop. Your first stop for a high school, typically what it used to be was about 6.50, 6.55 in the morning. Then you're going to go to your middle school, which is 7.50 pickup. And then your elementary is at 9.10, let's say. So that's only approximately three hours in the morning. So a total of six hours. And then you mentioned when we were talking on the phone that you also had, you know, bus drivers deal, I'm sure, with behavioral challenges and things like that. Can you talk a little bit about that? My first year was rough. I I had parents upset because we were either, either running too late, too early. We were right on the dot. We were not. I've had instances where high schoolers were smoking weed on the bus in the back and I called it in. Right now is a very, very critical time because every, every kid has a phone. Every kid has that camera rolling. So we are held to such a standard. But I will say at the end of the day, my high schoolers were my favorite. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Elementary is hard. Middle school is even harder. Mm. Interesting. You mentioned your youngest is going into fifth grade. Correct. So we know a lot of parents as well pushed back against the idea of the changes that are happening this year to classroom start times. Mm-hmm. I wanted to ask you as a parent and, and you've got kids who are in different spectrums. So you've lived the past bell schedule. Now you're living the new ones. Yeah. Does this new bell schedule and extended classroom time change any routines for your household? And maybe how is that impacting the families you interact with as well? Fortunately, me personally, it does not affect me whatsoever because he attends um, MAS, Mission Achievement and Success School. Their start time went from 8.20 to 8.30. And instead of finishing at 4.20, they get out at 3.30. So lucky for me, it didn't affect me. However, I'm home to see kids getting home from school. Normally, I would see, okay, high schoolers getting off the bus. That's almost my cue that I have to start my route. But I wonder about these parents that depended on their high schoolers to get home safe. You know, your sister, your little brother's about to be off the bus in 
about 45 minutes, watch for them. Where are these kids going now? Because mom and dad, I'm sorry, in this day and age, both parents have to work. You know, that's just kind of how it is. And so I feel like high schoolers were maybe dependent on to take care of their younger siblings to get home safe. A lot of elementaries are getting out at 2, 2.30. That's a couple of hours of being home alone. Or in aftercare. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, APS elementary kids are going from uh, 990 minimum instructional hours to 1,140 instructional hours per this year's requirement, which was passed by the legislature and signed into law by the governor. Kids will have shorter summer and fall breaks, but longer winter and spring breaks. What do you think is the biggest adjustment for parents and families who have multiple school age kids that are juggling, you know, different schedules and changes to time off from school? Oh, that's that's going to be rough. I, I feel for those that have to work because as it is, you know, winter break and summer break, parents don't get those off. Employers don't say, oh, you're on summer break or you're on winter break, you're on spring break with stay home with your kids. They went from a week and a half winter break to a two week break. They've got to find somebody to care for those kids, first of all. And if they don't have family to care for them, then they got to put them in a program that they'll essentially have to pay for. Definitely very different to get used to. Gabby, I know you have an upcoming kindergartner. We've heard your yes. thoughts <laughs> in and out, maybe in this podcast, not so much maybe, but... Maybe Chris as just, you know, my friend and co-counsel and all other uh, elements of life. Uh, But yeah, so, you know, the early start time is going to affect our household for sure. 7.30 and then to 2.30, which is, you know, we all know the newscast doesn't end at 2.30. So be a big adjustment in the in the aftercare programs for sure. Yeah. And Julie, you know, have you heard from other families as well, juggling maybe aftercare programs or kids in extracurricular activities with the changes in the release time? It's obviously a big adjustment for parents dealing with pickups. Um, But I imagine it's also, yeah, big adjustment for kids with longer school days, too. Oh, for sure. I mean, parents, you, you go through this. I call it mom guilt. You know, I, I got to work, and but they'll only be in after school program for an hour just till I get there or, you know, I get off right as they're letting out. So they'll only be there 30 minutes. But this is now typically going to be two hours for a lot of parents, you know, yeah. because a lot of parents don't get out until 435 o'clock, not to mention 15, 20 minute commute if you're lucky. Uh, we all hear, you know, well, kids will, they're resilient, they'll adjust. You know, Chris, you said you were in an aftercare program where you made lots of friends. Oh, yeah. I loved it. Uh, throughout elementary school, my parents, uh, the earliest got off at four because he wanted to work so early, but sometimes four or 4.30. So I'd end up spending, you know, an hour and a half or so in an aftercare program. But it gave me a chance to make a lot of good friends that I kept through the summer as well, that they'd be in the same summer programs and whatnot. I grew up in a small town, so 50,000 people in there. So, but yeah, aftercare programs, they can be really cool. Yeah, I, I agree. I mean, I'm sure that there's a lot of benefits that go into it. I, I've been blessed and lucky enough to have a mom who, you know, picked up that slack when I was working full time at a job that I couldn't leave before five o'clock. So thank goodness for that. But as far as the social socializing aspect of it, I think it's great. I just feel like waking, let's say, for instance, your child up at 
what, 6.30, you know, with the latest to get them up and ready. And on that commute to school by 7.30, it's going to be a little rough. Yeah. Now, I know it's difficult for me to enforce my son. Okay, it's nine o'clock, go to sleep. You know, yeah. they're still winding down. And it is, it's hard to get your kids to wind down. And it's hard to get home from your own job and wind down, eat dinner, get, you know, homework done, all of those things that we as parents have to do before sending them to bed. So these parents are getting a full, okay, they pick up their child at 5.30 from after school care. They got to run home, get home by six, do dinner, do homework and straight to bed. And it's a packed day. I feel like we need a lot more family time than that. A lot of adjustments to the school year for everyone, and, and maybe we'll all have a different perspective next fall. So we will see. But thank you, Julie, for offering your time and perspective with us. Of course. Thank you for having me. Again, a special thanks to Julie Sprunk and as well, Albuquerque Public Schools Superintendent Scott Elder for sharing their perspective on what is obviously going to be a very different kind of school year. Gabby, favorite schoolyard memory? Oh my gosh. Well, okay. I loved playing tetherball. Mm. And I don't really see a lot of those yeah. lately. Like around, I don't know if this is like a, did something happen that I'm not aware of where it became like too dangerous, but. Is there a PTL, Pro Tetherball League? I don't know. Don't know. Don't I know. I do know that some of us kids got pretty competitive and like we would run to the tetherball court like yeah. right at recess time. I you? remember that too. Like uh, you'd open the doors and there were like floodgates. The kids would run out to whatever their favorite thing was and inevitably things would stack up. But played a lot of basketball and that's where I ended up making a lot of my really good friends in elementary school was just playing basketball. So we'd play a game called Bumper Zumper where we would take the basketballs and bounce them across our huge playground, you know, and make them run and go get it. And you have to make the shot before the person behind you makes the shot. Mm. So we do that, but there were no rules. <laughs> it, it was crazy. Chaos. Yeah, it was chaos. Appreciate y'all joining us for our schoolyard memories. Uh, and if you have one to share as well, or maybe something other reaction, story idea, whatever, you can always email chris.mckee at krqe.com, also at TV. And I'm gabrielle.burkhardt at krqe.com via email and gburknm on social media. Thank you for listening. Thank you.